0: On this edition of Mike Drop Dallas, we celebrate the Sports Commission's winning bids for the 2030 men's and 2031 women's NCAA Basketball Final Fours. We hear from Mavericks legend Rolando Blackman on the role he played on the bid team for the Sports Commission. And he also gives us his assessment of Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, and even we even talk a little World Cup. Then we're joined by Jason Schuhard to hear what makes the upcoming BMW Dallas Marathon special, and nationally recognized among marathons. And finally, Ed Warder of ESPN joins us to talk Cowboys. So we're ready for season two, episode seven. Let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mic Drop Dallas, everyone, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the executive director of the Sports Commission, along with our on air producer, Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening, for watching on YouTube. If you like the show, please give us a five star review. This week, we're going to start by celebrating. Uh, Monica, right before Thanksgiving, Monica and her team at the Sports Commission delivered a double dose of March Madness for Dallas Fort Worth, the 2030 Men's NCAA Final Four and the 2031 Women's NCAA Final Four. Of course, the 2023 Women's NCAA Final Four is already coming to American Airlines Center. So Monica, around over, over the Thanksgiving break, did you I hope you took a minute or two to reflect on just what a big deal this is, this this gift that you and your team have delivered to our area.
1: Well, Sully, I can definitely tell you that I went into the holiday break. Um on a high, uh, I you know you do have to sit back and reflect on on big wins like that. Uh, we were nervous kind of going into it for for numerous reasons, but I don't think people realize that these are bids that we've been working on in the NCAA case for over a year and a half uh, to to make this happen. So it's um, one of the longer processes that we go through, um, and you're dealing with both men's and women's basketball committees kind of at the same time. So they've changed. Uh, their bid structure, structure a little bit, but I think um, what really happened over the holidays and right before, well, right before the holidays, and obviously we got a lot of uh, uh, attention on that and a lot of congratulations from people. But what it looked, what it felt like to me was okay. I'm always looking for what's next. So knowing we have now positioned the NCA Men's and Women's Final Four, and we know what's going on to a certain degree with World Cup in 26. What are the next opportunities? Because, quite honestly, Dallas and DFW North Texas region, we should start to get on a, a cycle here. So, now it's how can we bring back the college football playoff, the NBA All Star game that we haven't hosted since 2010? Uh, when, when is the Super Bowl coming? So, that's we're, yes, we're going to celebrate, still need to celebrate, a little hard to celebrate last week uh, with as many people out of our office and some of our partners. But so we'll, we'll still celebrate these these big wins, but, uh, still looking on to the future because I do really feel like, um, a lot of opportunity left on the table.
2: Monica, you, your team secured the 2014 men's final four. Um, what did you learn from that experience to apply to, to this bid and, you know, how can you take this bid success, uh, to apply to these other, um, ones that you just, that you just mentioned?
1: Well, I think uh, what we learned from this bid really, well, especially in the men's one, I, I'll, I'll go back to is this was our third bid for men's final four since we had hosted it in 2014. Um, and we lost the t- two bids before, quite honestly, in 2018 when we presented. We anticipated, uh, maybe took it for granted a little bit that uh, we were going to be named a, a host city and instead both San Antonio and Houston were and we were left out. So it really took us looking in the mirror a little bit, uh, taking a look at uh, maybe our business model and our overall our overall plan. I don't think the operational piece necessarily was as as big of a challenge, but uh, in the NCAIs, uh, but um, it, it taking took us a little bit of reflecting, and I think it made us stronger at the end of the day. So it made us when you're putting these bids in, you always kind of reflect back on oh. Uh, you remember what happened to us in 2018. So uh, it's making us ensure that we're not making some of those, um, you know, um, those decisions or framing up some of our bids in in that way. So um, happy, happy where we all came together. I think it, uh, you know, since 2018, too, since we submitted that bid, it's allowed both Dallas and Arlington, the cities to work uh, much more closely together on the the major events that we've hosted since then, 2018, you know, NFL Draft and uh, this past 2022 uh, WrestleMania that we hosted. So uh, we have more familiarity with one another, and uh, we're starting to kind of get in our rhythm, and we understand the benefits to both cities and even even cities outside of that uh, that that footprint. So <clears throat> uh, really excited for for the future. I like okay, that, you know,
0: even sort of independent observers say the last time the women's Final Four, uh, which we now can refer to as March Madness, uh, thankfully, uh, on both the men's and women's side, the last time it was at American Airlines Center, a lot of people think that was the best one ever. Uh, so you've got it coming up here in just a few months. Uh, what was the key to being selected a third time?
1: Well, I think that uh, the the Women's Basketball Summit committee saw the passion and the growth opportunity and i mean dfw area is a you know everybody says friday night lights and football well you have to understand the depth of what women's and men's basketball is here um in the dfw area and the grassroots level and those that go on to play for college and and even on the professional side of things so um i think they i mean there's no doubt that the american Airlines center is a phenomenal facility so we have that in, in, in store for us. But um I just think that we take it to another level. I mean the, the women's basketball committee has never come out to, to say that. I think they you know it's interesting going into a bid when you're about to host in five, six months. That was probably one of the more nerve wracking pieces of like will women's basketball committee even commit to us again because we're we're still planning for twenty twenty three. But the opportunity ahead of us in twenty three is that yes, we did blow uh, you know, blow the lights out of the American Airlines Center with the games that happened in 2017. And the energy that was around it, I've never even experienced uh, in the American Airlines Center for another event. But in front of us is the culmination of the the Title IX 50th anniversary celebration. We've got three divisions, so that shows in itself that, that the Women's Basketball Committee and that staff uh, trust us in, in Dallas to be able to pull off three championships rather than just one. Um, and um, you know, in 2030, the or 2031, uh, from a women's side, the city of Dallas is gonna ha- over, um, have so much development. B- look like a different city to a certain degree, especially what's what's taking place with uh, Kay Bailey Hutchison and the Brimer Bill. So, um, I think we'll be able to continue to raise the level, and we're already seeing unprecedented ticket sales numbers uh, for the 2023 event, and a lot more of the corporate partners and corporate champions of the NCAA coming out and wanting to say, we want to be a part of women's basketball, which for me, that's, that's pretty exciting. So, um, you should see a lot more activity in this coming March, 2023. And I think the sky's the limit for
2: 2031. Monica, it seems that as the U S team has, has built an all time high interest, uh, at, in, in this world cup this week, um, it, all MLS players, um, Seem to have the United States, you know, just just really engaged, and we've continually talked about on the podcast how by 2026, soccer might be the most popular sport in America. You're headed to Qatar. What can you? What have you learned so far? Any updates on 2026? Um, And you know, can can you give us any updates up, up to this point?
1: Yeah, I had to head over to Qatar here at the end of the week, and uh, very excited about that opportunity. I actually, I think maybe just missed a call over from, from Qatar about uh, some of our uh, experiences that we'll, we'll get. Uh, you know, our main focus when we go there is um, get a lay of the land. Um, we'll get to see it, go to a match, get to see behind the scenes. Get to see the training sites and, and, and base camps that they're utilizing there, their transportation structures, their hotels, and all of that. But we're going there too, still in a bid process. So we're a host city and uh, we've been very vocal. Uh, we want that final. Uh, we want as many matches as we can possibly get. Uh, I'll be greedy and say, say a final and a semi final is fine with me too. Um, but we want the International Broadcast Center. We've got a large contingent going uh, heading over to Qatar with me specifically to spend some extra time uh, and days at the International Broadcast Center to get the real scope of that. And um, you know other opportunities, we're not going to know decisions most likely until uh, some probably early 2023 in terms of the International Broadcast Center. But the finals and semifinals and number of matches, um, anticipating late 23, 24. So we're going over there kind of in dual capacity of operations plus um, still in a bid process. but. I can't tell you that uh, seeing the number of people that uh, are watching this uh, uh, this World Cup, even if it's not the USA matches. I, a lo- well, I, we know a lot of people are watching that USA match, uh, um, so, <laughs> um, but. Uh, all the other matches as well. There's just another excitement. There's a lot of questions about soccer that, that people who have never watched the game before. I mean, over Thanksgiving, my dad even asked to put soccer on, and he—I can't even get him to watch uh, the NFL or you know college football. So when he said, "Will you put it on?" and I'm like, "Really?" Uh, I was like, "My gosh!" If the World Cup can get my dad to be a become a, a watching soccer, I can only imagine what it's doing to. You know the younger generation that uh, is up and coming, starting to play soccer. The growth that'll take place at the at the youth level. We already know we have a very strong North Texas Soccer Association here in terms of uh, participation and growth. Um, so I really do think uh, the sky's the limit. We know that there are other soccer opportunities being presented to us here locally that we'll be able to host at many many of our our venues: at and Stadium, Cotton Bowl, Toyota. You you name them. We have a lot of opportunities coming up over these next four years and i, I think we'll luckily i think we, we did some good work on the front side over the past eight years knowing that this was going to be an opportunity to position ourselves uh, and get everybody on board to hopefully take advantage of as much as we possibly can so uh, really excited to head over to qatar and i know that once we get back uh, from our planning mission there that um, we may take a little break for, for the hol- upcoming holidays coming up. But uh, uh, after that, it's going to be, here, here we go. This is uh, the the largest thing that's um, going to take place here in our region for a very long time.
0: Well, and while you're trying to take a little bit of a break, Monica, you've still got little things like the First Responder Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and planning for the National Cheerleaders Association arriving in January, which is one of the biggest uh, events so you're not going to get too much of a breather i don't think as usual and 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 also uh for those that are interested go to the dallas sports commission website and if i'm not mistaken monica you can still sign up to register to be a volunteer or apply to be a volunteer at the 2023 women's final four uh, ncaa basketball women's final Four. Oh, if,
1: uh, yep without a doubt sally we're always looking for for volunteers um I- i'm sure th- there's going to be some first uh needs coming up as well. Um, a lot of, you know, the spring is our busiest time of year, January through June. Uh, that's where about 70% of our events take shape. Uh, so we come right out of the holidays uh, gun and um, always need a lot of key volunteers and people to help support some of our events. We've got some of our community initiatives, reading programs, and and that that those types of things that take place in in the spring as well, and you add on a women's final four, so we'll be going double duty. But the good thing is, I just uh, added three additional staff members to my team on Monday, so we're trying to get them up to speed as quickly as we possibly can. But uh, December's a special month for us, you know. Too, we've got Dallas Marathon coming up here, uh, Big Twelve football championships taking place this this weekend. Um, obviously, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic and First Responder Bowl are, are kind of staples here and uh, stuff that a lot of people really get excited about over the holidays. And, you know, bowl season is uh, um, very important to our our sports landscape. But, uh, um, yes, those cheerleaders are going to be here before we know it. So they'll be taking over downtown in 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 no time.
0: Yeah, one of the things that sets Mike Drop Dallas apart is we hit the sports business angles. And just a quick point here, the PGA Tour, and our next guest, Rolando Blackman, he would have blown this up if this existed in his Dallas Mavericks days. The PGA Tour has a thing called the Player Impact Program, where they they pay out the top 20 players in categories like internet searches and how much your logo appears on camera and how many news stories you're in, social media engagement, all this kind of stuff. Well, of course, Tiger Woods was number one at 15 million, but three Dallas PGA Tour pros scored big here. $9 million for Jordan Spieth. This is a little extra at the end of the season. Five and a half million for Scotty Scheffler and five million for Will Zalatoris. So three of our Dallas PGA Tour pros scoring big in the Player Impact Program. Kudos to new Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark on the Big 12's new six-year $2.3 billion media rights deal with ESPN and Fox. People thought with your Longhorns and OU departing that they, that, that the Big 12 would be in a jam. That doesn't appear that way with $380 million being divided up per team in that next deal. So, so lots happening as always. Back in a moment to talk with the great Rolando Blackman. First, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. It is now a true honor, not to mention a lot of fun, to welcome back our good friend, Rolando Blackman and Mike Drop Dallas. Of course, the second leading scorer in Mavericks history, that number 22 jersey retired. Monica was talking about her dad wanting to watch World Cup soccer. That's what happens when you put USA on the front of a jersey. We're going to talk to Roe about that, who has had that experience. Beacon in our community for 40 plus years. And I got to tell you, a friend of the podcast, Ben Swanger at D Magazine, wrote a profile on Rolando Blackman that appeared a few weeks ago at D Magazine. Please go check it online. Some incredible pictures. I thought I knew Ro's whole story. It is really well done by Ben Swanger at D Magazine. Ro, welcome back to Mike Drop Dallas. Sully, well, hey, this was a fantastic
3: time. A great opportunity to be with you this morning, for sure.
1: Well, Ro, I have to extend my sincere, sincere appreciation for you joining <laughs> us in Houston for our Men's Final Four Uh a uh, bid presentation. I uh, came out of there very nervous, but uh, at the end of the day, we uh, we sealed the deal and uh, we'll be hosting another men's final 4 in 20 2030. So I really just wanted to thank you uh for being a part of the process.
3: Listen, Monica, it was fantastic to be a part of the team. You know, I'm a team guy, so it was it was tremendous to be asked once again to be a part of it and also just a Really, really a fun thing to stand up there and to uh, and to represent uh, Dallas and what we can do. It's uh, it was it was it was a great honor for me to be up there too. And uh, I hope I showed that—that's for sure. Because uh, it wasn't about intimidation; it was just about the enthusiasm and the opportunity that comes from from having events here in Dallas and and getting together with uh, we Dallasites and uh, of course uh, Fort Worth people also to be able to do the pure North Texas activity. So thank you, Monica, and also Monica, don't forget that. Uh, uh, I have I know people in Qatar also too, and uh, and I could help in in Qatar also. So uh-oh. in the future, we Qatar, Roe can come too.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like, uh oh, it sounds like I need to go uh, find another seat on uh, on my flight on Friday uh, to 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 have Roe join us over in in Qatar. Oh. Um, I'll keep I'll keep Thank that in you. I'll keep that in mind. Um, Thank you. You know, for for our listeners, uh, Ro really kicked off our uh, our, our presentation and uh, spoke from the heart and uh, c- delivered a fantastic message to the men's basketball committee on on why Dallas and his personal journey and uh, kind of what basketball and sport meant to him and what that how that's going to transition and well and as well i think it's important to mis- uh, to mention that uh, in 2014 when we last hosted the men's final four he was also a uh, ambassador for 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 that event and uh, was was part of the team that successively pulled that off so um Ro, before i i get into you know some of your life and you coming here here to dallas uh, you also stood up and uh, represented the the mavs in a in the Dallas uh, Mayor's Youth Sports Ticket Program that we launched a few, a few months ago now probably back in August and uh, obviously committed to your commitment to the community here uh, in Dallas and specifically the kids. Uh, can you talk about how, I could think maybe the importance of of that of giving back and the Mavs engaging with with kids here within our within our community.
3: It's all, you know, something, Monica, it's always so important for, for, for people who have a, 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 an understanding of what the future looks like, to being able to step forward. I know you think sometimes people are there, they're thinking about it, they think they don't, don't have enough time, they think they've got so many different things to do. But I'm telling you, just uh, an hour a week, you start off with one hour a week, and then you expand to the, to the places I go and have the opportunity to impact children's lives Knowing the opportunity that's afforded to you to being able to know that these kids need the help. They need the infusion of thought process. They need the infusion of what the requirements are for success in the future. They need the compact piece to add to what they're doing to being able to move forward. And it's so important that we citizens step forward. Give, give yourself the time to be able to impact the society you say you want impacted then by by being active inside of a child's life so that that future can be a, a better place for them with a greater understanding at an earlier age so that they understand what needs to be done. That's what I do all the time, and it, I think it's a, an important piece. That's what was done for me as an immigrant child coming to the United States, giving me the opportunity to fulfill the things I said I wanted and what they wanted for this country and and, and for our families. So it's a, it's an important piece of the puzzle. <coughs> Excuse me. You've, uh,
1: you've <clears throat> devoted your life uh, since uh, 1981, uh, Ro, to having an impact here in Dallas. And, you know, these big events that uh, we bring, whether it, whether it is, you know, an NCAA men's Final Four or women's Final Four that we're hosting or a college football playoff, you know, these, these events mean a lot to those kids as well. Um, give us an idea of what do these big events here mean to you? What do they mean to, to Dallas in general?
3: one well, one of the things that what it does is the not only the infusion of enthusiasm and, and the opportunity to put programs in and around the, the activity of, of people's minds it's not only for kids but also for the for the community here we have a such a fantastic and diverse community here in in, in texas uh, when you when you look at it it's so important that the people the chance to be active in, in what uh, in what in what the venues bring and also to understand that we can support all the venues there are people here who can support who can support uh, soccer who can support basketball who can support each and every sport that comes here there's a huge fan base for that sport and the important factor is that you can come and see uh, that Texas is ready to being able to handle each and every event and can do multiple events at a time, actually, and really have the opportunity to engage with its people and the enthusiasm and the welcoming nature of, of what happens when you when you come to North Texas. So it's it's very, very important that people get a chance to do that, but we're ready. The active part is ready, the social part is ready, and I think the activity for the people who to, to support is also very, very ready, and I want the world to see that.
0: You know, Ro, uh, Monica can talk about the, the airport and the hotels and the venues and all that, but what you have seen is the people of north texas are really what you mentioned our diversity but isn't it isn't that our our secret weapon is the the the, is just the the quality of the people here the entrepreneurial spirit spirit that exists here that makes this such a great destination
3: the entrepreneurial spirit uh, listen sully the entrepreneurial spirit and also the deep spirit of people wanting to 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 be better, and also stepping forward to helping others be better. That's the important part that I've, that I've recognized. I've gotten here in 1981, and I'm telling you, all the way throughout playing basketball and those types of things, but I was in the community all the way around. And North Texas and the opportunity has grown. People have grown. Yeah, 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 we fight back and forth about different policies, pieces, this and that and the other. But But if you look at it, it's all for the advancement of the people within the community. It's for everybody. Now it's for you to take part in what's happening in that in that sequencing. There are levels, as my man, my boxer friend Andre Ward says. There are levels to what you're doing, and the important factor is to seek the higher level. So you have an opportunity right. to be ingrained into what's happening. So I, I fully believe that. I teach that all the time, and and I want people to to gravitate toward that because North Texas has changed. Also, this is not just the Texas of old. This is a this is a new things happening
0: here. I, I, I'm i a witness to that. And I want to make sure and, and, and let people know. Now let's shift gears to, to, to talk about the Mavericks a little bit. Now, as we record this on Wednesday, November 30th, the Mavericks have just defeated the golden state warriors with an impressive another, a 40 point triple double from Luca, but that and that ended as a, a, a slide uh, the likes of which we haven't seen since, you know, the, the last two years with, with uh, Jay Kidd as our head coach, how concerned are you? The man, Maver- something seems a little off. Uh, Luke has been unbelievable, but getting the right fit around him uh, has seems to have been a challenge this year. We're We're optimistic and hopeful as always, but break it down. How do you assess the first quarter uh, of the season, and should we be concerned?
3: First of all, let me just tell you how much fun I'm having uh watching this guy called Luka Doncic. Let me let me tell you
0: <laughs> as, as
3: yeah. a frontline front player and a player that uh that, that took last second shots and ready to go. This this guy is incredible and unbelievable in the beauty in the beauty of this game. The highest level of the game is being played right here in Dallas by Luka Doncic. So let me tell people that first of all, get on out there and don't miss this guy when he's playing the basketball game. It's a wonderful piece. The important factor right now, Sully, for everybody to know, is that the Mavericks are still being able to search for that combination. Not only the combination of people coming off the bench, but for people to being able to serve in, in how Luka plays. Bringing that basketball up the court, having the ball in his hands all the time. And, and basically hitting shots. That's the important fact of the whole thing. But the way the Mavs play right now, they have to have a secondary players. Once Luca passes that ball, you have to be able to hit the shot or being able to create a shot within a two, three second piece there on your own. So it's an important piece of of what's what's going on. And they're still trying to find that mix of players that can complement Luca. He's coming up right now, they're going to go play and and, and, uh, they're going to go play and he's going to start getting doubled. Once again, you'll see that more and more because he's so dominant. Now, Coach Kidd and all the rest, I'm sure, will figure out. That's why they just signed Kemba Walker to being able to put the ball on the floor and mm-hmm. to, uh, to really make that thing go. But Did you, you like that be... move? Yeah, I like I like the move because like, once again, he's uh, he's he's just a version. He's just a version of, of what Brunson can do. Anytime that ball is moved toward you and you don't have an open shot right there, and the time is going down, you've got to be able to create your own shot. You've got to be able to ship and jive, move and fo- back and forth, left and right, create a space. So you can get your shot off on a comfortable level. So with more players being able to do that, you'll have an opportunity to still have a good offensive sequence when they take the ball out of Luca's hands. Luca's a Luca's a, an entity onto himself. I mean, he you have to double him or, or else he can get 50. And 50 at a high level. So the important fact is when he passes that basketball, other guys have to do that, and they still have to figure out the bench. Scoring when Luka takes that four or five minute break to being able to do that, get Christian Wood in there in that kind of a situation also too, because he's a big man that can score very, very well. His, his defense is lacking a little bit right now. He doesn't understand that so, so, so very well. They have a a, a great crew. Timmy Hardaway got to get him going because he's a one once again one of those entities that can flash forward and being able to be a solid part of the of the whole team is what's going on. So I'm just looking forward for them figuring it out. They. And you know, if Kemba's knee is okay, they'll have a, another player to 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 get that Brunson type
0: situation going. Yeah, and let's let's hope let's hope he's uh, he's healthy. The uh, I think you know Anita De France. She's a, a vice president of the International Olympic Committee, and she's being honored this year by the Sports Business Journal. And I read a story where she talked about the you know she won a bronze medal as a rower in 1976 and made the team in 1980, like you did. That. Uh, President Jimmy Carter, you know, invoked a boycott because of Russia's invasion of Afghanistan. So we boycotted the Moscow Games in 1980. You didn't get to play. Anita didn't get to play. And in in her interview about this uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, so to speak, that she's getting, she talked about being invited to the White House in 1980 uh, for an event that, in that, that she felt used at the event. And I remember a conversation with you a year or so ago. You were at that event also if I'm not mistaken and and Monica's reference to the excitement around around Team USA in the World Cup reminded me of your disappointment at not being able to represent the, you represented the the USA uh in other ways but not in the Olympic games what do you think as you are watching you know World Cup do you think about that do you do you uh you know what do you remember about the pain the sting of not being able to go to the
3: 1980 Olympics. Uh listen, Sully. Uh, just just because you just mentioned it, uh, I have I have a streak of pain going across my chest right now. I should <laughs> I should take these couple of aspirin right now that I have next to me because it's always going to uh, be painful. I know sorry that about that. It's a, you know you know what, hey, Sully. When you're an immigrant kid that grew, that comes to comes to the United States, learns the culture, understands what's happening, and you make it all the way to the Olympic team. But please understand that when we went to the White House. I like anything else i i got a chance to after many many years after that to understand what politics is all politics and uh is all about i mean it's a it's a it's a power game it's a tool game we were we were just tools and in, in the whole situation going on and and that's just the way that's uh, just the way it is you do things that they take a hit for your country and you move forward on that. That kind of thing, but some of us move forward in a different way as far as that's concerned. But I'm telling you though, we were we were there and it was I tell you, it tell you, it was it was set up beautifully because it was set up as a beautiful highlight for all of us to be there and all the people running around, people were crying all over the place. They were track athletes and people were just at the peak and they knew that four years later they weren't gonna make it and it's, it's it was a whole thing. They gave us some gold medals, and they gave us uh, gold medals that we have. I still have it here, and of course, I haven't displayed it. It's in a drawer somewhere because it's a it's a hollow feeling to be able to put some gold medal up there. As far as all that's concerned, but we were gonna, hey Sully, we were gonna say something to coat to uh to to Jimmy Carter. We were gonna like, hey, we're gonna say something to him. We're gonna we're gonna say something as we pass by him in the line and all that stuff. But you can always tell that you guys you worked in the White House. You you guys are super intelligent. And you guys are super like you set up you set up the scenario or you do you you guys do a great job of the what could happen here, what could happen here, and set up for it when we got when we got up there on the line, we were all we were all like huffy, we were all like huffy, and we wanted to we wanted to say something next thing you know we got up there they they had they had little Amy first, so <laughs> you shook amy's hand then then the, then then you shook the president's hand, then you shook his wife's hand. And you're like, you are like immediately as you get to Amy, it was all diffused. It was all diffused. They're like we hello, Amy, how are you? How's everything? that? Was, and she was like, congratulations, everything's this and that. The other and president, was, president was saying that this and that for your country, and and the and his wife was was really sweet. So you walk off there, you you you, you were neutered immediately <laughs> as soon as that kind of stuff happened. But you understood the situation, and you you still felt proud, though, Sully. Sully don't don't play, don't play, Sully. you still feel you still feel a great proudness of, of, of being able to be and I'm, I'm still to this day an Olympian. I went there, made the team, got ready to go and won the two weeks beforehand. Sully, oh my goodness, we couldn't make the team but they. Like I said well, it, was, it was a great great opportunity to be on that basketball team and to, and to almost have a chance to serve and to be a part of, of this great Olympic experience.
1: All right, Ro, um before we let you go, I've got we got to talk uh, you brought up Qatar, so i'm I'm gonna open that box back up. uh, soccer was your first sport, I think i I may have heard. and as a boy in Panama, did you yes. ever dream of uh, playing in a World Cup? Have you been following this World Cup? Uh, what are your predictions there?
3: I've been following I've been following the i s. I've been following the USA the USA team uh, soccer team. I've been following them. As far as uh, the, the, their play and, and the opportunities that they've had all the way around, and I'm and I'm just uh, so happy. And first of all, the first part of your question is that I, I played soccer because it was everybody was playing that soccer at, at, from age four till they put a basketball in my hand at age ten. So I played soccer all the way throughout as a scoring forward, forward get, get, getting in there to be right at the end to 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 to, to kick that ball in and. It's a, it's an amazing amazing sport of what these what these athletes can do with their feet. It's almost like they have hands on their feet and the control of that ball and the beauty of what they can do in that in that way. But I think I think like the United States can really do a great job right now. Can do really do a great job right now, and in, in in having the opportunity to to come in and to go and go and take a win. Go and take a win because right now nobody expects them to do anything. But I think with with the fervor. And uh, if everyone can be healthy, then the opportunity is going to be a, a big surprise there to being able to put themselves in the proper place, especially uh, playing in a in a in a tough, uh, environment in a, in, a, in a tough environment like uh, like in like in like in Qatar. Being American uh, in Qatar is a is a is a pressure onto itself.
1: Well, Ro, thank you for um, always being a, a great ambassador, sharing your stories with us, uh, assisting us from a sports commission standpoint and everything that you do for the city of Dallas and our, our youth uh, um, growing up here. I really do appreciate that. And thank you for joining us on the mic drop.
3: Thank you, Monica. Thank you very much. I'm here. Take care. You guys take good care of yourselves. And thank you so very much for having me on. I, Dallas is a special place and I want to continue to be a part of its growth and a a part of its inclusion. So
1: it's a very important time. Thank you guys very much. All right. And now over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Join us for the ultimate running weekend at the 2022 BMW Dallas Marathon Festival, December 9th through the 11th. Register your corporate group or team today. Two-person half marathon relay, five-person marathon relay, and 5K team challenge options available perfect for team building. Bring your company out and enjoy all the energy and excitement surrounding the BMW Dallas Marathon Festival this December. Contact groups at rundallas.com for more info.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Now we're pleased to welcome to Mike Drop Dallas Jason Schuhar, the Director of Marketing and Partnerships at Run Dallas. That's the organization that puts on the BMW Dallas Marathon coming up December 9th through 11th. He's been with the organization since 2015, after marketing roles with the Cowboys Mavericks and the Cooper Clinic, he's an avid marathoner and triathlete himself. Jason, welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. I appreciate uh, appreciate that. Thank you for having me. So the uh, you know, tell us first about Run Dallas. This is a this is a, a year round uh, undertaking to put the marathon on. You do lots more than just the BMW Dallas Marathon. Fill us in on what Run Dallas is all about sure
4: um yes it is it is a year-round effort um we have a small but mighty team of three uh myself paul and marcus uh and run dallas was really created a few years ago as a kind of an overarching brand for the marathon and really as we were expanding programming throughout the year to add new events uh, around the area we wanted to develop uh, an overarching brand to kind of house all of those different events Uh, obviously we went through some challenges a couple years like most did And we had to scale back a little bit, but wanted to keep our marquee event, the Dallas Marathon, intact as we celebrated our 50th anniversary uh, this past December. Uh, But looking ahead, we certainly look to add more events and and look at some some new opportunities ahead to really expand our year-round calendar.
0: The BMW Dallas Marathon keeps getting bigger and better every year. We had Paul Lambert on uh, last year to talk about it. What's new this year?
4: Well, we always try to do a little bit, you know, do some different things every year to really enhance the overall guest experience. Uh, We've obviously got a lot of returning runners and then we have a lot of first timers. So as you can imagine, after doing this for 50 years, there's always a challenge of trying to do something new and and really build upon what you've got. Uh, But for this year, we're excited. We we have expanded the programming a little bit. Uh, We've added a new event called the 5K Team Challenge. Uh, on Saturday, uh, which we think will be a fun event for teams of five to really run the 5K together and enjoy the start finish line experience together. Uh, We've got enhanced runner amenities. Uh, We've got a new start line experience that we're excited to share. So really try to inject a few things here and there. Uh, Obviously, a lot of moving parts across a three-day weekend. So uh, we we try to do our best to to really uh, kind of one-up ourselves, if you will, from the previous year. But Uh, we're excited about this year and we feel uh it'll be well received by our guests
0: what what would you say sets apart the 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 bmw dallas marathon from 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 other marathons you mentioned the start finish line uh and making sure the 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 guest experience is great what's what's sort of the calling card for this race you know i mean it, it first off it's the
4: longest running marathon in the state of Texas um we've been around for a long time we've got rich history uh certainly people in the Dallas area are very familiar with this event whether you've run it or not you know somebody that has participated in this event at some point uh so it means a lot to this city um but also too i mean we are we are a, a national event we we are, this is a big event this is a big deal um you know people visit us from all 50 states uh multiple countries um you know you're talking 20,000 plus participants so it, it, it's a lot um you know it's across 3 days of, of racing we've got 11 events we've got an expo uh there's just so many different um elements to this event that really uh, separate us from from a number of other events not to say you know there's a lot of great events in this city, but um, we feel very fortunate to have the history that we do and the support from the city.
0: And the festival, which goes for three days, so there's really something for everybody, right?
4: There is. So it's changed quite a bit over the last few years. Um, we for the for the longest time, we had about three events uh, over race weekend, and now we've expanded to eleven. Uh, And we'll start with uh, our shortest event, the Friday night lights mile uh, next Friday evening. And then we'll offer multiple events ranging from a 5k all the way up to an ultra marathon throughout the weekend. And really just wanting to offer something for everybody, whether you're uh, a beginner or you're a seasoned runner, uh, a runner or a walker, we're really just trying to offer programming for everybody, every member of your family to come down and enjoy. So yeah, it's really expanded quite a bit. And, um, you know, we, we, we hope that uh, there's something for every member of the family to enjoy.
1: So Jason, we know that um, many events can't happen without key sponsors and supporters um, that uh, uh, come in for maybe one year, multiple years. Tell us about some of your sports partnerships. Uh, what's your pitch like? And how is it different from marketing Mavericks or, or Cowboys for, for um, the marathon?
4: Yeah. Well, so obviously the Mavericks and and Cowboys are very good at what they do. (laughs) got big budgets. Um, You know, we, you know, in a sense, we're in the same bucket, right? We're all entertainment. Um, But really what I kind of, how I differentiate our event is we are what I would consider life-changing, right? Um, It's a big deal to run a marathon or even a half marathon or a 5K to that matter. You know people are running our events for a variety of reasons, whether it's a bucket list item for them, whether it's for weight loss, whether it's in memory of someone raising money, what have you. Um, but it's a big deal. Um, you know, getting to the start line is tough, there's a lot of challenges people go through during training. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, there's nothing like that finish line feeling, and it's hard to explain unless you've done it and you've been there. Um, but what we've tried to really come across is that yes, this is a health and fitness event, but we know that, you know, this is life changing and, and hopefully provides a, a lasting memory for you, uh, for something that you worked so hard for and accomplished as an individual. So, you know, granted, you know, we're we're entertainment, we're we're trying to create a fun experience for you to come out and enjoy, but we want to create a lasting memory as well. So I think that's really what we kind of try to touch on when when we're you know marketing uh, this throughout the year and, and trying to encourage people to come out and either um, you know run their first event or join us again for for another go at it.
1: So, um, you know, a lot of people who, who aren't in the sponsorship or event world, these things don't just happen overnight. So do you happen to have a favorite story of landing a key sponsor or something that sticks out that, uh, you can share?
4: Sure. Well, you know, we have a number of great partners. We're very fortunate, uh, to have a great group that, uh, support our organization in a variety of ways. I think one that kind of comes to mind and it, it, they're new for this year is uh, Troy Aikman's new Eight Elite Light Logger. Uh, we're really excited to have them on board. Uh, as you're probably aware, they, they uh, launched in February of this year. Uh, we are their first major sports sponsorship. Uh, so they're kind of testing the waters with us, but um, we just love everything that they're doing uh, from a branding standpoint and an activation standpoint. We like the product and think it'll be well received by our runners. Um, and they're going to come in and, and help create a fun post race experience. Uh, they're going to have a post race beer garden, and we'll have the cowboy game on after the after the event, and hopefully have a few surprises along the way by uh, some of um, their uh, their uh, co owners. So, you know that again, we work with a lot of great partners, but it's just fun to find partners that are energetic and excited to be a part of the organization and that will come in and, and activate in a way that will elevate the overall uh, guest experience for us.
1: Now, Sully, I, that might be an activation. I'm going to need to go uh, uh, seek out uh, dur- during the marathon and, and the festival. So uh, I may have to go out and explore that, Sully. Well, Jason, uh, I also teach at uh, SMU uh, Contemporary Issues and Sport Management class. So uh uh, I always kind of like to get some little nuggets to be able to share with the, with with them if they're they're listening. And you're a person that has clearly managed uh, your career and uh, uh, pursued their passion for running at the same time. How have you done that? And what uh, advice might you give uh, those who are either trying to get into the sports industry, may not know if they want to? What advice could you give?
4: Well, you know, um, I, I graduated back in 2002, which now seems like a long time ago. (laughs) And when I graduated, you know, the sports uh, industry was just starting to become what I would consider saturated with, with candidates, you know, right. Everybody wanted to be in sports. Um, That's why I wanted to be in sports. If I couldn't play professionally, this was the next best thing. Um, It's tough to break in. It really is. Um, You got to have some, some good people in your court. Uh, I was fortunate to meet some folks early on that really helped make some introductions for me. Um, But you've got to be willing to take on some different roles that may not be initially what you want to do long term, but you need to kind of have, you know, obviously go in with an open mindset and a good work ethic. But um, it's a challenge. Um, You know, obviously it has a a non-traditional work schedule of nights, weekends, and holidays. Um, but it's a lot of fun, uh, working in sports now for over 20 years, I, I I've really enjoyed it. I have been on the team level. I've been on the agency level, um, now obviously on the nonprofit side and, you know, I love it. I w I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but you, you know, you certainly gotta, gotta have a good work ethic and, um, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a, a supportive family as well that, uh, you know, is 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 helping you out along the way because it, it, it does become long. I mean there's long hours and, and whatnot, but uh again, uh, it, it's an, an exciting industry and something that's very rewarding uh if you can stick through and um you know kind of get get into uh kind of the roles that that you want to be at. But it, it's gonna take some time to get there.
0: Jason on, on a marathon day, uh my family will be Out on the streets of Lakewood, cheering on the runners. Our daughter Laura is running the half marathon for the first time. Every year we have one of our kids running either the marathon or the half or a ten or the ten k. So we're regulars out there. I find it inspiring. It's fun. You're really a part of something. What where What do you tell people? Where should they watch? What do you tell them to encourage them to become part of the race by going out and cheering on the the runners? Sure. Well, you know,
4: there's there's a lot of opportunities along a 26 mile course um you know i always first kind of uh lean towards greenville avenue there's just so many course activations live bands sports teams activations uh, a lot of f and b opportunities there too for people to sit on a patio and watch the runners come by while they're drinking coffee or whatever but um there's you know the split near skillman street is great uh, deep lm offers some unique opportunities uh, if you want to get away from the crowds a little bit, certainly White Rock provides uh, some great opportunities to see your runner up and close up close and personal and still give you time to get back downtown. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, we certainly want people to come down to the City Hall Plaza. You know, that's where it all starts and where it all ends. And we'll have a big party there uh, next, next weekend, all, all three days, and want everybody to take part in that, whether you're running or you're coming down to cheer on your runner.
0: Well, congratulations to, to you and Paul and Marcus for, for staging just an incredible series of events—not just on race weekend, but year-round to promote health and fitness. Uh, so, all the best uh, this year to you, and thanks for some time today on Mike Drop Dallas. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for the time as well. All right, we'll be right back with uh, the talk Cowboys with Ed Werder of ESPN. But first, over to Rachel Scoggins with a word from one of our sponsors. Now, we are really happy to be joined here on Mike Drop Dallas by Ed Werder, the Dallas based award winning Pro Football Hall of Fame honored ESPN NFL reporter. Ed, thanks for some time for joining us here on the pod. Thanks for mentioning I'm an
5: award winning journalist. I think I've won one. No, I've won two. I've won two. That counts? So, that yeah, counts. yeah. So you should have said multiple award winning. <laughs> Awards right. winning is what I hear. Awards no, winning. Thanks. Yeah. thanks for having me on, Sully. Good to see you again. I mean, you were so prominent when I first came to Dallas with the Mavericks, and right. they were going great. And I came here in 1989, and then 1992 to cover the Cowboys, and uh, it's great to be with you again.
0: Well, thanks, thanks for being here with us.
1: So, Ed, we're going to put the pressure on now. Uh, a lot of talk here locally, and maybe a little surprise about how well our Cowboys are doing at, at eight and three, positioned, I think, for the playoffs. Eagles are looking strong, too. Break it down for us, your thoughts. How far can this uh, team actually go? Well,
5: they better go pretty far uh, if you're Mike yeah. McCarthy. Uh, you know, Jerry Jones was bitterly disappointed last year when the Cowboys won the division and then were the only division winner to lose at home in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, the question to me is what happens if, if history repeats and the Cowboys don't get to an NFC championship game you know, for a 27th straight season, we've heard Jerry Jones talk all week long about just how excited he is, how capable he thinks this current Cowboys team is uh, of doing something significant in the NFL postseason. And let's be honest, what, no matter what happens between now and the start of the playoffs, what happens when the playoffs begin is, is what matters for the Cowboys anymore. Uh, winning division titles, they've done that, you know, countless times. They have, to win. they have to have some real postseason success and win more than one game in a single postseason. And I think Jerry Jones is demonstrating just how much he believes in that by pursuing Odell Beckham Jr. here, even though they might only get a handful of games out of him if they, if they uh, you know, beat the Giants and, and the Buffalo Bills and actually acquire this player.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's uh, uh, looking uh, into that and seeing, <clears throat> looking forward to seeing what the what the decision's going to be there. Um, Micah Parsons, uh, what what's the possibility there being named <laughs> NFC uh, Defensive Player of the Year? This I think would be a first since 1977.
5: Well, he he only lost uh, to T.J. Watt last year as Defensive Player of the Year, which if he had won it would have only been he and Lawrence Taylor in the history of the NFL to win that award as a rookie. And he's followed up an incredible rookie season with a spectacular second year in the NFL. There's been no drop-off whatsoever. This is a highly motivated, supremely talented young player, um, pass rusher, versatile guy, who can play in a lot of different positions and is brilliantly used uh, by Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. So um, the fact that he beat out Aaron Donald last year to finish second is remarkable. But as he would tell you, you know, I didn't finish second. I lost. We both lost. What does it matter? You know, T.J. Watt was the winner. Well, T.J. Watt's missed too much time this year to be a significant factor in that race. Um, and and uh, Aaron Donald's team's not doing well. And now he's injured. So I think it's all there for Micah Parsons to win. Uh, the Cowboys are the best pressure team, uh, defensive pressure team in the NFL. They're playing the Colts. Uh, This week, the Colts have given up the most sacks in the NFL with Matt Ryan as a quarterback. So I think there's a great opportunity uh, statistically for Micah Parsons and the rest of that defense to go hunt the quarterback this week.
0: You know, Ed, one of the most fun things about for me as a PR guy with Monica allowing me to be her her, uh, co-host here is that I get to ask reporters questions. And so I'm going to follow up. Monica asked you for a prediction on how far the Cowboys could go. And, you you know, you semi-dodged the question. So you said they got to go, but you didn't say whether you thought they could or would go go farther. Uh, but what do you think has to happen for this team to, to do the things that you said? And do you think they're capable of it? That's because I dodged the question because,
5: you know, as a reporter, journalist, and not an analyst – Loudmouth uh, (laughs) in the media that I don't give predictions. I just (laughs) report and give insight and context and perspective. Uh, no, but I, I think this is a really good team. And the the problem I think they're going to have is, you know, they're two games behind the Eagles and they've got the Eagles in Dallas on Christmas Eve. They've got to win that game. And the Eagles probably have to lose definitely have to lose at least one more somewhere else. And maybe it could be this week against Tennessee Titans. Um, but I think the Cowboys are entirely capable of getting to a Super Bowl based on the composition of the team, based on the credibility of the coaches. I mean, Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, was a head coach and led the Falcons to the Super Bowl. They were up 28-3, to infamously on Tom Brady, and lost the game. Mike McCarthy has coached the Packers and won a Super Bowl. So their coaching staff is capable of delivering on that. Uh, I think they have as much talent as as any team in the nfl i like the way Dak prescott plays the quarterback position for the most part he doesn't put the ball in jeopardy and yet he's still able to be aggressive in, in the way he goes about playing the position i think tony pollard is one of the best playmakers in the nfl uh I, we certainly didn't expect that they underused him last year in the postseason he only got six touches against the 49ers in that loss So and defensively, I think they're a better team than they were last year. They're not as reliant on turning the ball over, which is a fickle thing that you can't predict, you know, happening every week. But the way they play now and holding down the score on opponents and dominating games is a way that they can play. They they play a very good complementary style of football in that their offense gets some leads and then allows the pass rush to take over the game. The only team that they couldn't do that against was the Packers in recent months. The the Cowboys are the only team the Packers have beaten in the last two months. And it was because while the Cowboys had a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, the Packers refused to panic and they exploited the one weakness we've seen in this defense, which is the run game, which sets up the possibility, talking about the playoffs. What if they draw the 49ers again? The 49ers eliminated them last year. The 49ers are a unique team. I mean, they're a physical team. They run the football. They got some of the best players after the catch in the NFL, whether it's, you know, Kittle, the tight end, Debo Samuel, a wide receiver. And now they have Christian McCaffrey. So they're going to be a tough out for sure. And a team probably every team in football wants to avoid because of the unique playing style. And the Cowboys had the misfortune of drawing them last year in the first round. But, yeah, I think they're capable of of doing something that hasn't been done by this franchise in in nearly 30 years.
0: You mentioned that you arrived in DFW in 1989, so you've been doing this a long time. How are the how are the players different for you to deal with today than they were? And how is the access? I know we've gone through COVID protocols and all that, but how is sort of the beat different for you in 2022 than it was in the in the 90s? Let's say.
5: Well, you know. When I when I came here in '89 and again in '92, working for the Fort Worth Star Telegram and then the Dallas Morning News, um, you know that that was it. We were the papers of record. And while there was certainly a national presence around the Cowboys back then, um, there weren't as many reporters. You know, because now social media has expanded the number of credentialed reporters who are at every Cowboys practice, at their locker room access, at their games, and Back then, like as long as I knew by 10 o'clock at night, whatever the story was, whatever the news was, I was safe as a reporter. Now it's like (laughs) something could break on you any second of the day. Now you get to counter any second of the day because the news cycle turns over every one minute uh, sometimes. So it's it's more competitive in, in that way. And I don't think there's as much casual contact time with players and coaches as there used to be. Pretty much with the players now, we're limited to access in the locker room, you know, which is better than it was in the pandemic when we just basically could do what we're doing right now and do Zoom calls. At least we're in their presence. But it's really hard to get any kind of one on one time without it being scheduled you know, by the public relations department. I mean, right. there's just too many people out there to get a private conversation once in a while. You can you know, they'll do a group thing and then you can kind of walk off with a player. But even then, if it's Dak Prescott, you know, people see that and four or five more people are going to be within earshot as you walk away. So I would say that's the biggest change. The fact that there are no more deadlines every minute of the day is a deadline where you can either break news or have news broken on you. And there's a lot less access uh, one on one to players.
0: When you made the hop from the morning news to ESPN back in what was it, 96 (laughs) or 98, 98?
5: Yeah, ninety six. I took my first TV job at CNN Sports Illustrated. That's right. Uh, that and then, I, and then two years, two years later, I went to ESPN.
0: So, so you were, you were of that of your generation. You were an early guy, right? Who, who made the leap from print being a a print reporter to to, to TV. Do you do you think of yourself all these years later as a, a TV guy? I know you're no. still a journalist and a reporter. How, how do you? What has that been like? In TV, they call reporters
5: talent. They never, Dave Smith at the <laughs> Dallas Morning News never referred to any of us as talent. Uh, he didn't believe we had any. Um, and whatever little bit we, he could find, he uh, certainly tried to take advantage of. Uh, no, I still see myself as a reporter. And so I, I maybe I haven't evolved in terms of I don't really try often to be a personality on TV. Um, maybe to my own detriment. I think I have some of those qualities. I think I can be engaging, I can be, you know, humorous, but I've I've always believed like I guess I have a the soul of a reporter in that I want my information to be the star, you know. Right. I want what I want what I report to be memorable, not the way I said it. Um and and so that's what really matters to me and that's what I try to tell, you know, young aspiring journalists uh now when they ask for advice, which is almost never, by the way. Um but yeah, I, I, I think I could do those things. And I think when I was up in the studio for a couple of years as an insider, you know, and you're, you're in the presence of the people you're on TV with, there's that opportunity to have a sense for the moment better and engage with your colleagues in a different way than if you're remote like I am now. And you're just looking at a camera. I have no idea if the people in the studio as you're doing your presentation are even listening to you. Um, and so you don't engage in quite the same way. But no, I, I just believe in like I want my information to be right. And I, I'm happiest when on Sunday night, whatever I said pregame Sunday morning proved to be the way the thing played out. You know what I said in the morning, the three points I made, two or three of those wound up being impactful in determining the outcome of the game. There's nothing better to me than that.
0: Well, I, that that notion that the information should be the star and get your facts right. I know Monica is going to pass that along to her sports management class at SMU. Uh, and Monica and I definitely think you're talent, Ed. So you you always were one of the really good guys uh, when you would come around Reunion Arena on a little bit of a of a side assignment or a fun off night. But but thanks so much for your time today, and really great reconnecting and and having you on uh, the mic drop.
5: Great to see you, and and thanks to Monica for capably assisting you in this endeavor.
0: No, I'm assisting Monica. This is. Uh, this is definitely Monica's show. Ed, you'd and, never,
1: uh, you'd never r- really understand and appreciate, I guess, uh, what Sully asked to be in his green room and and all the makeup <laughs> and everything. So he really yeah. does consider himself talent as well. I, I
0: do. I, no matter how many times I ask, Monica will not put hair and makeup in the budget. So <laughs> you know, I just, I just try to you know do my best with 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 what I have to work with, which is not much. So I
5: expect so, you to slap a star with your name on your bedroom door there. Yeah. Or your That's office right. door, whichever that is.
0: You got it. I will. And so thanks again to Ed Warder on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission. We really appreciate our guests today. Rolando Blackman. How great was it to talk to Roe? Jason Shuhart of Run Dallas and Ed Warder of ESPN. Thanks to the Mic Drop production team. Icy Strain of Tony Faye PR. Thanks to Ren over at Vocal Media. Marcus, of course, our showrunner, Tony Faye. Until next time, thanks for listening and watching on YouTube, everybody.